Well, brothers and sisters, we're going to continue in the book of James, um, beginning chapter 4. And you know, this is a happy Sunday, but this is a very unhappy message. I can't do anything about it. That's just what James chapter 4 is about. It's not a happy message. James starts off by saying, What causes wars and fightings among you? What causes wars and fightings among you? Is it not your passions that war within your members? You desire and do not have, so you kill. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and wage wars. You adulterers, you adulteresses, you unfaithful. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? For he who wishes to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. And do you think the scripture says in vain that he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell within us? He yearns jealously over the spirit he made to dwell within us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Yield yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Be miserable. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy be turned to dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Not a happy, not a happy message. Okay, he talks about, let's talk about what is, what is, what, what is all this about. He says to be a friend of this world is to be his enemy. He who wishes to be friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. So, he is our father. Christ is our husband. We are his bride. Husbands, how would you like it if every time you went out publicly that your wife flirted with all the men? Is that something you'd like? Wives, if you went out with, every time you got in public with your husband, would you like it if your husband was always looking at every woman who walked in the room and trying to catch their eye? Would you like that? Why would you not like that? The reason you would not like that is because you've given yourself to your husband or to your wife to be one, to be a person with them. You've given them all that you had to give. You've trusted yourself into their hands. And it's like they just discount all that and want to seek something that they don't even know, but from someone other than you. It says, he yearns jealously. He yearns jealously over the spirit he made to dwell within us. Committing adultery against God is not a good thing. We talk about Christmas. 
We talk about the precious Jesus. We talk about the precious gift. He has given us his everything. He has given us his best. What he's given us is even greater than creation. And basically what he says, and you have gone off a whoring. You have left the only source of love. You have left my love, my attention. I've given myself to you without reservation. I gave you my son who three times asked to be delivered. There's nothing I haven't given you. He wants us to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want us just to come here and show up on Sunday morning and say, now it's time for church. He wants to be in relationship with you and I 24-7. When you're walking down the street, when you're driving your car, when you're getting out of bed, when you're getting in bed, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you go out, when you come in, he wants us to be thinking about him. He wants us to be trying to draw life from him. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you comfort yourself from reading a novel? A fiction? Maybe a biography? That's, that's even better because it's real, you say to yourself. Or comfort ourselves by watching TV. Or delighting in a particular food. Or some new gadget. Or watching, looking at Facebook. You know, none of these things are bad. None of these things are bad. But do we spend as much time one-on-one -on -one being comforted by our Heavenly Father as we do being comforted by things of this world? You know, Jesus said, He who does not hate mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter cannot be my disciple. He who does not deny himself daily cannot be my disciple. He who does not forfeit Forfeit everything he has, his own life also cannot be my disciple. He doesn't say you can't have a good life. He doesn't say we can't have a good life. All he says is you can't be like me. And brothers and sisters, Jesus really wants us. He really wants us to be like him. And the reason he wants us to be like him is he, his life was so good. It was so good. He had 365 great days every day of his life except the last day that he walked on earth. And that was a very bad day. But every other day was good because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the life of Father. He was full of everything God created a man to experience, the very life of God dwelling in him. The Scripture says, love not the world. John says, love not the world nor the things of the world. He who loves the world, the love of the Father does not dwell in him. And why does the love of the Father not dwell in us if we love the world? Because we're abiding in the world, and the world is abiding in us. And the love of the Father does not abide in us unless we abide in the Father. And we cannot abide in the Father and abide in the world too. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You, you, you can't love, you'll, you'll love one and hate the others. You just can't do that. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and the world. You cannot come to church on Sunday morning or be in a Christmas program or watch a movie and have the relationship God wants you and I to have. He wants you and me every day to have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. But we can't get that unless we are going to him for our appetite. 
In this world, many things give us energy. Many things feed us, we think. Many things encourage us. But you know what? At the end of the day, they don't satisfy. We just need more of them or we need different ones. The only thing that satisfies is the bread of life. He says, come to me, all you who are tired and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. He who believes in me shall not hunger. Who trusts in me shall never thirst. And if we go any place to drink, if we go any place to eat other than the bread of life, we are adulterers, adulteresses. We are unfaithful to him. Does that make him not love us? Absolutely not. Will that keep us from being saved? Absolutely not. But what will it do? It will kill it will destroy the life of Christ in you and in me. And then we are like a branch that's been cut off the vine. We are worthless and we will wither. I've used the example before of a man who brings his wife a Mercedes Benz convertible. Parks in the garage and says, honey, I brought you a new car. And she says, oh, that's the most beautiful car I've ever seen. He goes to work. He comes home. The car is no longer in the driveway. He says, where's the car, honey? She said, oh, I moved it around back. So he goes out the backyard, and there's the car parked in the back, filled to the top of the door with dirt. She's planted flowers in it. And she says, and look, when I turn on the windshield washer, it waters the flowers. Well, you know what? You can use a Mercedes-Benz convertible like that, but what a waste. And that's kind of the way that we are if we love the things of this world. He created you and I to be a Mercedes-Benz that can drive 200 kilometers for hours. He's purchased us at a great price, and he wants to drive us. <laughs> he wants to live his life through us. He wants to parade himself in your life and mine, and we, he can't do that if we've gone and filled ourselves with dirt and flowers. It may not look good, but that's not what it's about. I'm going to jump ahead just a moment, and then we'll come back. But in a couple of verses down, he says, what is your life? What is your life? You are a vapor. You are a vapor that appears for a moment and then vanishes. If you and I think what we invest our, our lives in, because so we can make it in this world, what is making it in this world? Is making it in this world having the best job? Is making this world having the best house, the nicest car? Is making this in the world having the most beautiful children? What is making it? What does God call making it? God calls making it if you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's making it to God. And when you're an old man or old woman and you have no teeth and you're laying in a hospital bed and you've got $10 million in the bank... Did you make it? And you were ornery and hard to live with? You know, this is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. So do any of you not get along with each other? Do you husbands ever have conflict with your wives? Do you wives ever have conflict with your husband? Well, where do they come from? Well, it's because you and I are abiding in something other than Jesus. It's, I'm abiding in where we go on our vacation. I'm abiding in what kind of furnishers we have in the house. I'm abiding in the type of school I want my kid to be in. And your spouse has a different opinion. 
And because you're abiding, because you, you desire this, you become frustrated. And that's where fights come from. That's where wars come from. When two people are abiding in something they desire and really want, and the other person's in conflict, that's the source of all fighting and all war. Pride, all contention proceeds from pride. And pride is wanting to make ourselves God and live independent of God. So if you had a fight this week with your wife, I guarantee you, one or both of you were not abiding in Christ, but you were abiding in something that whatever that person said or did, it really upset you. And when you desire something you cannot obtain, you get frustrated, and frustration leads to anger, and anger leads to a bunch of bad things. Or frustration can also lead to apathy, where you say, oh, that doesn't matter. And in a funny sort of way, that's just as bad, because a lot of men will just shut down, or a lot of women will just shut down and then that speaks, I don't love you too, in a different sort of way. Jesus loves us. Why would we want to go off and give ourselves to this world? Why? But it says he gives more grace. He gives more grace. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yield yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Now, who is behind, who is trying every day to get you and I to lust after this world? Two factors, the flesh, which is enmity against God, and the devil himself. And do you think they were just demons? Do you think the demons died with Jesus? You know, he he spent almost as much time casting out demons as he did healing people. And some of the people he healed was because they had a demon. The demons didn't die, brothers and sisters. Some fanatics think that there's two demons behind every bush. I actually think there's three demons behind every bush. Demons are fallen angels. One-third of the angels fell from heaven with Lucifer, and they are in this world. And they every day are trying to entice you and I. And they put something in front of us to lure us, to attract us, to entice us. In James 1, he says, you know, if any man is tempted, don't let him say he's been tempted of God because every man is tempted when he is lured, enticed by his own desires. And when desire is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death the death of the life of Christ in us. It starts with a desire for something other than the bread of life. We can use things of this world, but don't desire them. Desire Jesus. You know, if you desire nothing but Jesus, you can enjoy this world more than anybody in the world. Because when things move and things break, it doesn't bother you. Because no big piece is in your life. He is the peace. If he becomes the only peace then just like Jesus, you have a great day, 365 days every day of your life. And unlike Jesus, even your last day will be good. But Jesus' last day was terrible because he went through Calvary without grace. So you and I would never have to live a day on this earth without grace. 
And grace is God empowering us to do his will. He says, look, I have, I have given you everything I could possibly give you. I have said to you everything I can possibly say. Are you going to give your heart to me without reservation or not? That's the question. Are you going to give your heart to your wife without reservation? Are you going to give it to another woman? Wives, are you going to give your life, your heart to your husband? Are you going to give it to another man? This is what he's talking about. I created you. Jesus is, we are his bride. We are his bride. And he wants to love us. He wants to love us so much. But he can't love us if we're loving the world. Because it, 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 it blocks him. And Lucifer knows this, and Lucifer doesn't want us to be loved. It's like that song we sang, he, he's a good, good father, how he loves us. No, God, Lucifer does not want him to love us. God loves us. He does not want us to experience God's love, so he gets us off a of whoring. You know, I really like John. He always referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. <laughs> Peter never referred to himself as the disciple Jesus loved, nor did Thomas or James. John said, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. But did Jesus love John more than any of the other disciples? No. What was the difference? John let Jesus love him. He let him love him. He was leaning on his breast at the Last Supper. He was, he was open. He was abiding in the love of Christ. He was abiding in Christ. And that's what he, God wants for you and for me. He wants us today to let him love us. But he can't love us if we're loving the things of this world. And what does it mean to love the things of this world? It means to draw life. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? Where does your mind go during the day? So your mind goes to what our hearts desire. It goes to sports, it goes to business, You can say, Rick, what do you want me to do? Become a monk? <laughs> yes, a monk in the middle of Manhattan. Yes, a monk in the middle of Beijing. Yes, a monk in the middle of a busy schedule. But to, get, uh, to become a monk, you don't have to get away from the world. We just have to take our hearts, disengage from those things that we're allowing to encourage us. Now, what are some simple steps? You know, when my wife is gone, she left two days ago, I don't turn on the TV when she's gone, except tonight I watch Son of God for about two hours. I like to do that. But when she's here, every night I watch at least one, if not two, episodes of something, Blue Blood or, I don't know, on the Apple TV. Because she likes to do that. But I get no comfort from that. I do that because she likes to do that, and I'm free to watch it, and I love to love her. But when she goes, I don't need to turn on that Apple TV for an hour or two to not be bored. I actually, I actually can lay on a couch or sit on a couch so I don't go to sleep and 
and just talk to Jesus and just thank him. Just open his word and just read it and say, oh, this is wonderful. Or turn on a praise song and, and just praise him. By his grace, I have a relationship with Jesus that it takes a lot to distract me from that. I, I really don't want to do anything else but spend time sitting at his knees, letting him bless me with his word, letting him love me. I love to be loved, and he knows it. I have no agenda. And I can't say that I had that relationship when I was 25 or when I was 35. But he wants each of us to feel loved by him. He says, abide in me. Don't abide in cars and planes and jobs and careers and education. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. And when he abides in you, brothers and sisters, the very life of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the patience of God, the essence of God dwells in us. That's what he wants. Christmas, yeah, Christmas is about getting, bringing the Savior in the world. Jesus is about getting us out of hell into heaven. But the rest of his life is about bringing heaven down to earth. He really wants you and I to experience heaven on earth every day. That doesn't matter if you lose your job or you lose your health or a child gets killed. He doesn't want our joy and our peace to be circumstantial. That's, that's all the sons of Adam have is circumstantial joy and peace because they have nothing to go to with their hearts other than circumstances. But you and I have the king of the universe who never forsakes us, who never fails, who can't do anything but love us when we come to him. We have that resource to go to, and why do we spend, why does he get an hour a week when we have hundreds of hours a week that we give to other things. I'm not talking about our time. I'm talking about the attention of our hearts, the attention of our minds. The greatest gift God has given each of us is our minds, and they should be totally, totally devoted to him. And that's not a bad thing, because he is nothing but good. He's altogether lovely, altogether wonderful. You know, you, we sang that song, that was not original. Altogether lovely, altogether wonderful was penned by Thomas Akempis in the year 1410. And I know it because I've read it many times. And when I heard the song, I said, I can't believe he stole those lyrics from Thomas Akempis in 1410. Altogether lovely, altogether worthy. Therefore, yield yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, when we talk about resisting the devil, you don't get up and try to fight him or beat him in your own or my own power. We read in Jude, it says, when Michael, the archangel, this is the most powerful of created beings, three archangels were created, Michael in charge of the armies of God, Gabriel in charge of the word of God, Lucifer in charge of worship, it says, when Michael, the archangel, was contending with Lucifer over the body of Moses, Michael did not raise against him a railing accusation. Michael did not, so to speak, try to blow him away verbally. Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael got in a position of humility and said, the Lord rebuke you. 
the Lord rebuke you. As we yield ourselves to God, that is how Lucifer, that's how demons are broken away from us. Not that we try to stand up against them and make some resolution. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. The power of darkness is broken when we yield ourselves to God and say, here I come, empty-handed, just like I came to the cross for my salvation, I come to you empty-handed. I'm a, a beggar reaching out for a king, a hand of a king. I come to you empty-handed. I yield myself to you. That's when temptation gets broken. That's when demons lose their power on us. And when that happens, then we need to worship. We need to thank him. We need to develop a worshipful heart, a worshipful spirit. Craig, some months ago, I was with him. In terms of the world, his work was all falling apart. But every time I met him, he said, you know, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. Raise your hand, Craig, so people he's so thankful. So thankful. Demons don't like to hear us thank God either. Thank him. Whatever happens, you lose your job. Have you ever heard of Romans 8.28? God works all things together for good to those who trust him and love him, who are the called according to his purpose. There is nothing going to ever come into your life or my life that hasn't passed through his fingers. Nothing. And remember, there's nail scars in those hands. So anything he allows into your life and my life, even though it's sent by Lucifer himself, God promises to use it for good. And as Spurgeon said maybe 150 years ago, to be angry at circumstances is to be angry at God who allowed them. We need to relax into the arms of Christ. We need to look into his eyes. If, you, if we start looking into his eyes, I guarantee you, he will start attracting you. If you start coming to him with all your needs, he will start drawing you. That verse ends up by saying, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you men of double mind. Let's not be double-minded. Let's cleanse our hands of all those things that we are holding on to for security other than Jesus. Let's purify our hearts Let's not give our hearts to anyone other than him. There's a psalm that says, give him a clean hands and a pure heart and don't give your soul to another. Okay, that's the worst part of James 4. The last part is better and we'll get to that next time. Uh, I'm going to say a prayer, and I have the worship team come up here. And Father, we pray that you would give us the grace to cleanse our hands, all those things that we hold on to that are not you. We pray, Father, that you would give us pure hearts that desire nothing less than you and you alone. We ask this day that you would refrain our feet from sinning against you. That you would not let pride infect or afflict us. 
that you would not let the hand of the evil one drive us back, distract, deceive, dissuade, or discourage us, that you'd guard our lips, that they would not speak words that are untrue, that are boastful, that are foolish, ill-advised, hasty, out of season, words that have not sought your counsel, words that embitter and embarrass others, words that do not speak life, our eyes that they not, would not behold things worth less than you, things that are enticing. Deliver us from random thoughts, from vain thoughts that defile and stain and steal our lives, from judgmental thoughts that condemn and prejudice us, from fearful thoughts that distract, deceive, dissuade, and discourage us, from critical thoughts that lead to pride, from self-vindicating thoughts that rob us from repentance, that our hearts may seek peace and rest and truth and life and security and solace, know we're saving you and you alone, that our every thought may be of you, our every longing would be for you, that your will would be what our hearts desire, our every word would be your praise, our every work would be to your glory, that we would desire you and your will above all else. We would obey your voice, abide in your word. We would deny ourselves daily and embrace your perfect will, that we would abide in your will and your embrace of us, that we would trust you, we would love you, we would thrust ourselves into your arms with all our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind. We would abide in your love, that your love and your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your meekness, your self-control, your very life would flow through us, would live through us in such a way that men may know that you, Father, have sent your Son into the world, and he's still living here alive through each of us today. We make this prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.